I got a lot to say this morning, and uh, it's usually slow for me getting started, but then once I get going, uh, we, we'll roll on here. But I got a lot to, to try to cover. Um, I want to do a review. Some of you have been here as we were teaching on prayer, and some of you missed a couple of times, but I want to just kind of go back. And if you were here last week, I kind of shared with you how um, I interpret Scripture, how I've been taught over the years. And it's what I call a balanced word where you get the whole counsel of God or the whole mind of God about a subject. And that's basically what I've done on the subject of prayer. We started in Genesis and we've gone through Revelation on the subject of prayer. And when you get through, you're going to have a balanced teaching on prayer. And we started out uh, with Paul admonishing Timothy for that he should make prayers and intercessions and supplications for all saints. And the reason that's so important is that each one of us need prayer. We need prayer in order to continue our growth. It's real easy to be growing in the Lord and then get stymied and then not grow and then, you know, just kind of level out. But if we're being constantly prayed for, it's not only just a pastor praying for everybody. Each person in the congregation should be praying for your brothers and sisters that sit here with us. And we also got into talking about uh, Paul admonished Timothy to pray for those in authority over you. And uh, we talked about praying for our president and praying for our church leaders and praying for our Congress and everybody uh, that's in authority over us needs prayer. And then we said that, that prayers, when it calls about prayers, supplication and intercession, prayers is praise and thanksgiving. And then supplications is a humble uh, request, and an intercession is a humble request for other people. And then we talked about the Old Testament saints calling down fire from heaven, and that prayer is powerful, and that's the whole uh, theme of this message is there's power in prayer, and I want us to plug into that because for so long the church today doesn't pray like it should. I think we've lost the, the vision of prayer, and I want to... Uh, encourage us to catch the vision prayer is something that uh, you can't be taught I can teach you all that day long but unless the Holy Spirit drops it in your spirit that hey there's something to this prayer business and that's my prayer that he will do that so we talked about the Old Testament saints calling down fire from heaven we talked about the New Testament saints in the book of Acts said when they prayed the place where they were was shaken and cloven tongues of fire came down on all the people, and they began to speak with other tongues. So we're talking about the power of prayer in the Old Testament, and it didn't quit there. It continues on in the New Testament. And we talked about prayer, that we're to pray without ceasing. Pray always. Prayer is not an option if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Prayer is a duty of all Christians. And then we talked about um, Sometimes our prayers not heard, number one, because unbelief. And that our prayers are not heard because we have uh, anger in our heart or unforgiveness in our heart. And sometimes our prayers are not heard because of spiritual warfare, that we're in a war. This is a spiritual war that we're in. And I gave the example about Daniel, how he said, I heard your prayers, but it took 21 days. And Michael, the archangel, helped me fight the principalities and powers in the air in order to get the answer on, down in heaven 
So we'll be doing a, a, a series of talking about spiritual warfare in the future, but you, you can't fight that kind of fight unless you understand that prayer is your weapon. We said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we fight, our fight is not with flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and rulers of wickedness in high places. And then we talked about uh, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer was not something that we just recite every Sunday, which we do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the Lord's Prayer is more of a model prayer where Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And there's six uh, levels there where we start out, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means to praise. What is he saying? He's saying that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And God inhabits the praises of his people. So what is Jesus saying? When you begin to pray, he says, get in the presence of God. You want to get in the presence of God? Begin to praise him. And his presence will come down into your life. And you'll begin to sense the spirit and the power of almighty God. That's what Jesus was saying. Then he said, the next thing you do is to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, we're earthen vessels, and what is he saying? The first thing I need to do is to pray for God's kingdom. And what is God's kingdom? Nothing more than the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom of God. And Jesus, when he came, he said that the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is not far from you. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. So how, does the, how do I have the kingdom of God to come here? I began to pray that his kingdom would come, his will would be done in me, in this earthen vessel. And then I began to pray that for my wife and my family and everybody that God puts on my heart as I began to pray for his kingdom to come. And my prayer now since I'm connected with this church, is that his kingdom will come, his will will be done in Bowl Springs United Methodist Church. Why? Because we are the springs of living water. Amen. It's not about natural springs. It's about living springs of water flowing up out of us, which is for the healing of the nations. We have this power. We have his word. It is the answer to every problem this world has. But this world is seeking all answers from everywhere else other than the word of God. And that's why prayer is such an important thing in our land and in our nation today. I won't go on the rest of it, but that's how he taught us to pray, going through the Lord's Prayer as an outline, as a demonstration of what things to pray for as we pray and then we said that jesus is our example and jesus went off into a solitary place he went up into the mountains and pray he got alone with god and then when he came back he began to cast out devils he laid hands on the sick and they recovered he went to pray and got his marching orders from the lord and then he came back and went to work and the power of god was demonstrated throughout the planet and that's what God's will for us is, that we follow the lead of Jesus. He is our example for everything. And then we talked about that we have to pray in agreement. He said, if two of you agree on earth is touching anything, you can have whatsoever you say. So there's power in praying in agreement. And the most important uh, agreement, number one, is me agreeing with the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. 
And that's what we said, that sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we pray amiss. We pray to consume it on our own lust, and we're not praying according to God's will. God hears your prayers if you pray according to his will. So being in agreement with the Lord is the most important thing. The second most important thing and the most powerful thing is a husband and wife praying in agreement together. And if you're not praying with your husband and wife, you need to start. It's the most important, most powerful thing that you can do. And that's the reason the devil attacks the family, because he understands the principle. If two of you agree on touching anything, you can have what you say. I can't think of any other relationship in heaven other than my relationship with Jesus. My relationship with my wife is the most important one. And when we come into agreement, God hears and answers our prayers, and things happen and so i want to encourage you and that's part of what we the um, invitation will be about today as i hopefully i'll get there sooner than later so praying in agreement is so powerful and then we talked about last week how to interpret scripture and if you didn't get that and you would like to know i'd be glad to sit down and talk to you and share with you uh, how to get the mind of god and it's so important because you can make the Bible say anything you want it to. There's one scripture that says Judas went and hung himself. There's another scripture that says you go and do likewise. Now if you don't know any better, you would drink the Kool-Aid and you might follow that. I'm not here to lead you down some path, a Kool-Aid path. I'm here to teach the balanced Word of God that brings life and healing and power into your life and into everybody's life that you come in contact with. And our focus is going to be on our nation because our nation needs prayer more today than it ever has. And again, I said that prayer is something that has to be caught and not taught. And I hope if I could, if I could give it to you, I would, Jason. But only the Holy Spirit of God can bring that down and settle it in your spirit. The hardest part about being a pastor and a preacher is knowing the truth, sharing the truth, and praying that, God, that people will get it and hoping that they do. But the most exciting thing in the world is when you do that and you see someone that it begins to ignite in their spirit and they get excited about it and you begin to see life taking place in their heart, in their life, new life. Now, I like to renovate old buildings. I like to breathe life into an old building and bring it back to life. I also like to breathe life into these old buildings and to see the Zoe life of God come alive. The most exciting thing we can do is fall in love with Jesus. It's the greatest love story that has ever been told for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life it's the greatest love story that's ever told people read these love novels and all of these books and all kind of stuff people are looking for love in all the wrong places Jesus is love and it's our duty as believers to share that love, that good news with other people. Now, 
I want to run right quick on, I want to do this justice, but I'm trying to throw it out as fast as I can. Uh, I am, I got to. But the last teaching on prayer, again, is, I didn't get to this last week, but it says, pray in the Spirit and with understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Now, there's a lot of division in the church about this issue of praying in the Spirit, or praying in tongues, if you will. Now, that's a whole other message for a whole other time, and I do want to teach the balance of the Word, what the Word says about that. But today, I'm just going to touch lightly on Romans talks about sometimes when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for you with groanings. So there is a prayer language where you pray in the Spirit. Sometimes you don't know what you're praying, but the Spirit of God prays through you. Now, again, I don't want to get into all of that today. That's a whole other message for a whole other time. But I just want you to be aware, you can't take the Bible and take this piece because you don't like it and throw that out. And you can't take this piece because you like it and stand on it and say, this is it. If you want to know the truth and the whole truth, you've got to go from Genesis to Revelation about it. How do I know that? Well, in the book of Acts, and again, I don't want to get off on this, but I've got to say enough to give you the picture. In the book of Acts, it said they began to pray with unknown tongues. There's another part that says they prayed with other tongues, and that's totally different. But when in the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, they began to speak in other languages. All right, in the Old Testament, when Hannah was praying for her son, it said that, and they thought that they were drunk in the book of Acts. Well, they thought that Hannah was drunk in the Old Testament when she was praying for her son. Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. That's a whole other message for a whole other time. All I'm trying to say is there is in prayer a place where the Spirit of God prays when you don't know what to pray. And if you open your mouth one day, there might be something that came out that you don't know where that came from. Don't let it scare you. That's all I'm saying, okay? All right, so today I want to cover, I want to cover a little bit more of this, and then we'll try to wrap this all up closet prayer there's people that say well the bible says that when you pray you go into your closet and pray and that's it you don't pray out public you just pray in the closet okay i believe that matthew 6 and 6 talks about that right but there's all prayer acts 1 14 says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and mary the mother of jesus and with his brethren that's corporate prayer. They were in corporate prayer in the book of Acts. It said when they came together, 120 in the upper room, they had one mind in one accord, praying the same thing. The Spirit came down, and they were filled. The place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, yes, there's a time for you. What does Ecclesiastes say? There's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. So there's a time for closet prayer. When you go in the closet, shut the door, and it's just you and the Lord in that closet. 
There's time for corporate prayer when God calls the church to come together like he did in the book of Acts to bring down fire from heaven to bring answers into the situation. And that's corporate prayer. And then there's the ministry of the prayer of laying on of hands. Acts 13 and 3 says, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So there's a ministry of the laying on of hands in prayer. And that's where, again, you just happened to sit in the wrong seat. I, I, did a, I did a funeral this week with a guy named Bruce, and he always sat on the third row right there where Chris is sitting. And if I say your name, it's because I love you. It's not that I'm trying to pick you out, point you out, or anything like that. It's just that I like to interact with the people. And the way you do that is to interact. Now, I don't know how else to put it. But in this funeral, I talked about Bruce, who sat on that row. And I, Bruce, oh, great guy. Uh, he was a happy-go-lucky, I mean, kind of guy. But when he came into church, he sat down, and he was as stiff as a board, as rigid a guy as you'll ever see, looking straight forward and didn't move and didn't crack a smile. <clears throat> and that's what I said. His mama, when he went to church, he said, Now, Bruce, you sit right there. You look straight ahead. You listen to the preacher, and don't you crack a smile. Don't you say a word. And when I looked down and see Bruce, I could see that little boy that his mama told him what to do. So I like to, I used to try to interact and draw Bruce out and get him to crack a smile. Bruce, is, you smile everywhere else. It's okay. It's okay to smile on the third row. But there's a ministry of laying on hands, and the apostles laid hands on guys, and they do that today when they're uh, ordaining ministers. And anytime you lay hands on, there's just something about the touching of the hands in prayer. There's an anointing that comes through that. So that's the ministry of laying on the hands and with prayer. And again, there's prayer. And I'm going to say this word, and it might really trip you out, because I don't know how much people do this anymore. It's kind of like prayer. This one went out, too, with the prayer. It's prayer and fasting. And there's power in that one as well. It says, Mark 9, 29, And he said unto them, the disciples had gone out. Jesus, remember, he, he, he called 12. He began to teach them, and he began to send them out two by two. And then he later got at 70, and then he got 120. He began to send them all out, doing what he had demonstrated. Remember, we talked about the gospel as both proclamation and demonstration. We're to proclaim it, and we're to live it. And so Jesus was teaching these disciples, and they went out, because he'd sent them out, and then they go out, and they'd try to cast these devils out of somebody. And they came back and said, well, Jesus, I don't know what we did wrong, but we weren't able to do that, what you did. And what did he say? Mark nine twenty nine. he said unto them, This kind came forth not but by prayer and fasting. Fasting is not a dirty word. There's power in fasting. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time today to talk about that either because that's a whole other message, a whole other subject, and a whole other time. There's all kinds of different fasting. But I believe in fasting and prayer. If I have a decision to make, I go to my cabin in the mountains. I spend time fasting and praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
What is your will for me? Because Jesus taught me to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So I would be disobedient if I don't go and pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? There's so many opportunities in life that I can pick and choose, but I don't want to do that. I want to be right dead in the center of God's will. And I can choose that. So can you. But sometimes prayer and fasting together is a powerful duo. And we'll be talking about that, so don't let it bother you today. (laughs) We'll be talking about fasting. I hope you'll catch the vision of not only prayer, but of fasting as well. Now today I want to... I want to... uh, I said last week that after teaching this, you know, in my life I've found that when I study the Scripture, when God begins to speak to my heart and I learn something, the very next thing that He does is expects me to to apply it, right? We said the gospel is proclamation and demonstration. So when God teaches us a truth, If you want it to become reality in your life, if you want it to be real, if you want it to work, you've got to demonstrate it. I've found in my life when I learn something, I've got to put it into practice. If you want the results of what the Word says, you've got to do what it says. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. We could sit here from now on and hear the Word of God. But unless we take that and begin to do that and begin to demonstrate that, we'll never get the results that the Bible says you will get unless you do what it says. And so in my life I've found when I learn something, I've got to apply it. So again, after all of this talk about prayer, I feel like it's important I give you opportunity for us to make a commitment to do something about it. And so in a minute, I'm going to share that with you. But I'm more convinced than ever what I'm talking about is so important that we get it and that we do it. I got up the other night and cut on the television. Sometimes I do that. I like to keep up with what's going on in the world so I know how to pray. And I cut on the TV, and it's on my channel, Dish Network. I don't know what you all have, but it's channel 181. uh, 180 is the 700 Club, and I was watching that, and and it was going off, and so I flipped it over. That was 180 to 181. It's one of those Dick Jr. your kids look at. Dick Jr., Maybe some of you don't have kids. You got grandkids. Well, your kids are grown. They got kids. Anyway, your kids, your grandkids are being exposed. Not only are they destroying our kids in these colleges and ruining their minds, poisoning their minds against the family, against the Word of God, against everything that we hold sacred. They're not just dealing with them. They're dealing with the young kids. When I cut this on, there were two teenage girls there in a set, set, setting, 
And the one girl looked at the other girl and said something about like this. If I like you, something, something. And the other girl says, well, that's good. We don't really like each other, right? And I'm kind of sitting there looking at this. And so then they parted. Then all of a sudden, this girl ran and chased that girl. And they looked at each other and said, I like you. He said, I like you too. And two teenage girls, like this young lady right here, started kissing. And Diane says, well, was it just a friendly kiss? I said, no, it was something like you would see on some slutty sleazebag show. Kids, 13-year-old kids, they're after our children in college. They're after them in grade school. They're after them with this agenda that they're pushing. Now, I can't stop it by myself. You can't stop it by yourself, but we can humble ourselves and pray as we've talked about. There needs to be godly people everywhere in this society. Being the salt and light, as Jesus talked about, in the community. And we have negated our job. We have sat back and let them take over. And if we continue, we're going to be like they, we hear about those persecuted Christians in other parts of the world. And if you don't believe that, I love you anyway. But all you got to do is look at the handwriting on the wall and look at what's going on in our society. And it's crazy. It is just crazy. And the only weapon that we have is prayer. Unless the church gets serious and begins to pray against the principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places that are controlling, we're going to wake up one day and just like the people in Germany. Now, I own a lot of property in Monroe. There's two mills in, in Monroe. There's a big smokestack right in one of the mills. People going around there daily, every day in Monroe. Fortunately, those mills have been turned into antique malls now, but also went to Auschwitz, Germany. And there was a facility that looked like one of these old mills with a big smokestack. And it smoked years ago, not when we were there. It's a museum. But years ago, the smoke was coming out, and they were burning people in that town. And the people went to the ice cream store. They went to the gas. They were living life while they were murdering thousands and thousands of people in this camp. And we think, how horrible. How could they have lived in that town and let that happen? It would be just like it happening in Monroe today in that facility. And they started doing that. I would hope I had courage to say, hey, this is not right. Kill me if you have to, but we've got to do something about it. Today, over 6 million babies have been aborted. And they just passed not long ago in New York City that they can deliver the baby Jason and you and I are, uh, can sit there and talk about, well, what are we going to do with this child? We're going to let it live, or we're going to take its life? After it's born. Now, if that's not gone so far, do you think it's going to end there? No. Jesus said in the days of his coming would be just like the days of Noah. 
Well, if you want to know what the days of the coming of the Lord will be like, you go study the book of Noah, of Jonah, I mean Noah. Genesis chapter 6, it said that man's heart was on evil continually, and violence covered the land. Just cut on your TV. You see that the other day in New York City, they're pouring water on policemen. Our world is in trouble. I know too much to sit and let it just happen without a fight. I can't fight with guns. I got a gun, but that's not the answer. God has put it on my heart. The only answer we have is to do what I'm talking about, and that's to pray. And this is a burden and a passion that I have. I just didn't, I hadn't had this until recently. God's put this on my heart, and I want to deliver this baby, if you will, and share the passion and the burden to you, that you will grab hold of this truth that I'm talking about. And so what I want to do, and I prayed about it, uh, what, how to do this. And so I don't want to put a burden. I don't, I don't want to have a prayer meeting just to say, okay, well, we got one. You know, hey, chalk it up. We got a prayer meeting. I looked in uh, the book of Revelation. There's seven churches that Jesus spoke to the seven churches, and he said, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, but I have this one thing against you. And when I look at this church, I think, man, what a wonderful church. They're doing everything right. I mean, there's nothing. If I came in as some church expert, uh, there's nothing I could come in and say, y'all need to do this. But like Jesus said, when he looked at those seven churches, five of them, he told them, you're doing all this, and that's great, but there's one thing you lack. And when I look at this church, I would say there's only one thing we lack, and that is we need to get serious about praying together to pull down the strongholds, to take on the fight to, against these spirits of wickedness in high places. I know we're busy, and I don't ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do. And I don't want to just create something to, for the heck of doing it. This is to really do it. And so this is what I... This is what I thought of, what I'm going to ask today. And our invitation will be this, that I'm going to put this out. And if God puts it on your heart, if he doesn't, that's okay. I'm not, we're not, you know, saying everybody's got to get up and go, you know, and everybody's looking at you. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying if the Spirit of God moves into your heart and says, that's me, I'm one of them, I'll do that, then you do it. If not, don't worry about it, Okay. I'll just keep praying by myself. But I get up at 7 o'clock every morning, and I got to thinking, well, I could ask us to pray for an hour because Jesus taught his disciples. He said, couldn't you just watch with me, Peter, for an hour? I'm about to die and go to the cross, and you're sleeping. I could ask us to pray for an hour. That's Jesus' example, and that's what he asked his disciples to do, but I'm not doing that. I'm just saying. Would you just pray with me 30 minutes? I get up at 7. Would you, I'm going to get up at 6.30 every morning, and I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to pray according to the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to pray for his kingdom to come in me. God, 
You show me. If I'm off anywhere, change me. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be a solution to the problem, not the problem. And then I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for our nation like I've never prayed before. I'm going to pray for our kids. I'm going to pray for everybody. And what I'd like for you to do, and I'm asking you to do, you pray with me every morning, Monday through Friday at 6.30. If you can't make it at 6.30, get up. If you've got to get up at 6, then get up a little early. But the more people that are praying in it, what do we say? Agreement and unity. And that's why I said, well, it's okay. We don't have to come to the church and pray every day because there's no distance in the spirit there's no time in the spirit god doesn't have a watch but he knows what's going on and he set the number of days so i'm asking i'm going to get up at 6 30 in the morning and you're going to get up with me because <laughs> we're going to pray in agreement and i want to encourage you if you don't pray with your wife and husband do it and this might stretch some of you. It might stretch you. But I never have been stretched at what I didn't enjoy. You know when you exercise and you go and you work out and you stretches and you hurt and you say, oh, God, I can't do that again. Then the next day you say, man, that, that felt pretty good. I'm going to go back again. Because you've stretched your muscles. This might be a stretch. I don't know where you all come from. You know, I, I don't know where you're at. I'm just saying this is what needs to be done, and I'm asking you to do this. Get up at 6.30 if you can. Pray with us for 30 minutes. And then what I'd like to see happen is on Sunday, somehow, and we need to discuss this and talk about it, somehow we could, in the Sunday school hour or before the Sunday school hour, because, again, I don't want people to have to, you know, a lot of people can't come out at night. And that's why I didn't say, well, let's try some night. A lot of people can't come out at night. But you're already here on Sunday morning. You came to Sunday school and church. Let's just take 30 minutes somehow, some way, organize it in that schedule and pray for one another. Pray for this nation like it depends on it, and it does. So Monday morning, I'm going to start praying every morning uh, at 6.30. I'm going to take off on Saturday. And you can take off on Saturday. Because everybody likes to sleep in on Saturday. But Sunday, as we come back, I would like for us to figure out how we can do that. Tweak something. Just give us 30 minutes for serious prayer. And if you're not comfortable with that, come and get comfortable. I'll help you get comfortable. It's not that bad. God needs you. We need you. I need you. The church... Everybody needs you. And I was thinking, too, we, we probably wouldn't start that till like, the 1st of September. That'll give us a little time to talk about it, work it out. How can we do that? How can we make Sunday school? We don't want to take away from Sunday school. We don't want to do anything. We just want to... The church services will be better. Everything will be better if we'll do that. So today, if the pianist will come and play something then our what's the word I'm looking for our response invitation will be again I'm, I'm just looking because I need to know who's praying with me 
I'm not looking to anybody to say, oh, you're not praying, shame on you. But we have to make a commitment. And if we make a commitment, we, we just got to commit. So I'm going to ask that we stand and sing. Is this a song we can sing? That we sing this song. And if you're willing, and if God is placing it on your heart, to pray at 6.30 with me or sometime every morning, it's going to change your day to give God the first part of your day in prayer. And if you're willing to come a little early on Sunday when we get this, try to get this started, then I want you to come up here and hold my hand. Because I want to know when I pray every morning who God has put on their heart and who's praying with me for this nation, for this church, and for every individual in this church. And so I just ask you humbly to ask the Lord, Lord, are you speaking to me? Would you have me to do this? And if he says yes, then come up here and hold my hand today. If not, then that's fine too. I can always count on my wife.